Blog Talk Radio. that we've been launching with a wonderful series of guests. We have this wonderful new new season in progress, and I really invite you to check out the calendar on FrontierBeyondFear.com, and also all of these shows are archived, um, and you can listen to them and share them with your friends. And today I think you will find a, a show and a guest that you will want to share because this is a very honest and connected soul that I am going to bring on the air in just a moment. And her name is Ellen Tad. Ellen is going to talk to us about spiritual guidance. Now, I'm going to say right at the outset, I know in blog talk radio land and even where I live, and this has been a time of authenticity for me, and, you know, exploring concepts that are maybe a little bit different for some of us, and for me, whenever I come back to some of these things, because I came from a very conservative, evangelical background, I know those of you who click on this show on the Blog Talk Radio front page may come from all kinds of backgrounds, and when you come into an experience like this, we're called to listen and expand. And Ellen is the author of the new book, The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on earth. And she comes to us with compassion and with 40 years of experience teaching. And I just, I have this gut feeling, in fact, I'm getting kind of teared up that today we're going to really, you know, some of us are being exposed to some new things today. And she has the compassion and the guidance to help us with these things. And she's going to talk to us about the real nature of our lives. And, you know, many of us may not comprehend just what it's all about and what guidance and support is available to us. Ellen has a website that I invite you to explore. It is ellentad.com and she has written other books. Her first book, Death and Letting Go, was very well received. It was on the Boston Globe bestseller list. She's been in Newsweek. She has taught at colleges and universities, at hospitals and community groups. And to me, that's important because this kind of exploration is really coming into the mainstream now and always has been. So um, I, I feel guided to introduce the show in this way today. And as I speak, a Frontier truck just drove by. Um, my my new window, so that's interesting too. Um, I am so delighted to bring Ellen Tad on the air. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Susan. Thank you. That was that was a wonderful and welcoming introduction. Well, you know, I'm going to be honest right at the outset. I still 
have this little girl within me, you know, being brought up very conservatively and, um, you know, there's certain power terms that are scary for us sometimes. I have to tell you that. I mean, I don't know how to put it. And, and somehow many of us, and I put myself in this category too, we are learning to work with these things and expand. And, and Block Talk Radio is very much this way where anyone, you know, many people just wander into this show. It's not a metaphysical network. It is an open, varied place. And and so today, Ellen, I want you, I know that you can work with us. This is what I feel. And, and I tell you, I'm getting teared up as we speak. You can work <laughs> with us, Ellen, today. There, well, there are people me, listening, including me. Uh-huh. So let me, welcome, yes. Let me talk a little bit about my background and my story yes, to put this in perspective. Do. I was actually raised uh, by my father, who was a scientist, a physicist. I grew up in a scientifically oriented household. I was not raised with any organized religion. Yes. But as a little child, I had experiences where I saw light around people. I saw faces in the dark sometimes. And sometimes I even had out-of-body experiences where my Consciousness was on the ceiling, and I could look down and see uh, my body asleep on the bed. And I tried to explain to my father at a very young age that I could see molecules, and and he said, you can't see them with the naked eye. He actually took me to an electron microscope and showed me what they looked like. And I became quite worried about my experiences because I also grew up with a mother who had a severe case of MS and I watched her really fall apart both physically and mentally and so I thought maybe something is wrong with me and Uh so my sensitivity felt like a problem at the beginning and then when I was 19 which was two years after my mother died she came back and talked to me And I write about that experience in my book. It was my watershed event because at that point I didn't know what I believed. And after she came, well, her fundamental message was, do not mourn for me. I chose what I endured to learn compassion for those who suffer. And she said, no matter how things appear, if you look deeply, you will see there are reasons. And after that experience, it really was like a veil was lifted, and I started to have a lot of clairvoyant and clairaudent experiences. And I really became devoted to developing this ability. And, you know, my brother was a musician, and I realized when I learned that I had a clairvoyance and clairaudence that I had to decide how I wanted to use it. just like a musician has to decide which kind of instrument they want to play. And I wasn't so interested in giving messages from dead relatives, ironically, even though that's what opened me up. But I wanted to talk to the teachers, the beings in the spiritual world who were wise and, and knew a lot more than I did because I was interested in the basic fundamental questions of life. Who are we? Why are we here? And so I had, I really had about a 10-year training with beings from the spiritual world who educated me and helped me to become what they call the sensitive in an insensitive world. And so my book is really focusing on the tools and the philosophy that I was taught that helped me so very much and then has now helped my students. Yes, yes. And I think um, one of the aspects of your book and your story, and you put so many pieces of your personal life in your work and, and share through every one of the different exercises, experiences that you've personally had. I feel that, um, do you feel guided through your own personal experience that you can you can help teach even more effectively 
And do you see that more people are being called to to open up to this teaching Absolutely. now? Because the, uh-huh. You know, I I've been teaching this fundamental course since 1984, and yeah. it's been so fascinating for me to watch the changes of who now comes to my classes. It yes. used to be more of people who were just uh, alternatively oriented, and now it's you know doctors and and um, business people and uh-huh. politicians, <laughs> mothers, um, you know, people of from all walks of life and mainstream. And I think that's because our world is really going through a lot, and people are searching yeah. for answers. Yeah. And what I try to facilitate is direct experience. I never want people to believe me. I want right. to give people tools so they can have their own experiences because I think that is the only way that that people become convinced. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I am finding, and I'll relate a personal experience here with um, the show, that um, I've become more active in my community. And recently my Facebook page has become more visible to people I know personally um, where it wasn't so much before. And so I'm discovering, and even through friends saying, oh, you know, so-and-so is, quote, into this, you know, as to say, as if into exploring, you know, the nature of reality. There's no into... I mean, what is that? What does that mean? And and they're you know, but but I am astonished and really um, feeling more comfortable in a way to see. Wow, you know, this friend over here who you know is a scientist, totally totally exploring these things. I came from a scientific background too, and it's like we've all been hiding from each other. Um, it's like you know, we're all. I mean, some of us we're, we're we're just kind of coming out of the closet more because we're finding That's out great. that many of us have been exploring this and and learning. Yes. So well, what? it's time. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I I think it is. In fact, um right now, um you know, right at the beginning of your book, there there's a wonderful quote from a guide I felt, and um, it it seems that it it talks about the continual turmoil and uncertainty um, if we have a limited perspective of life and how, you know, there is a growth plan for us. And throughout your book, you reveal, you know, this having this awareness of we're here to grow is, is so, so very helpful. So, so help us to understand who are we, Ellen? How did we come to to be in in this place? And um, and we're growing, aren't we? Yes, we're all evolving. Um, well, when my guides started to teach me, they explained very early in the process that everyone is spirit, everyone has a soul, and everyone has a personality. They define the spirit as a spark of the God force, a spark of the creative force of the universe that exists in each of us. And they say each spirit has an individual emphasis. One spirit may emphasize creativity, another nurturing or wisdom. I call this our particular instrument in the orchestra of life. And this is the only part of our nature that's constant Everything else is evolving. And then the soul is the container of the spirit that allows the spirit to have individuality and animation. The soul is very complicated. It's evolving, and it contains all of our past life patterns, traumas, talents, skills, and fears. And when we incarnate, we're guided towards parents and circumstance that bring up our learning I think of life on the earth as our school. And in the soul, there's a concept that I call first error 
or the original attitude that was not in harmony with our spiritual nature. So another way of thinking about this is that that we all started out with an enlightenment, which is an ability to manifest our spiritual nature with consistency, and then we lost it. We had an original fear, an original confusion. In Christianity, they call this first this first error concept um, the original sin. But my experience has shown me that it's not the same for everyone. We have our own brand of fear, our own brand of confusion. So um, this is the root lesson that we're working on. And then over the soul is our personality, our persona in the world, which is influenced by genetics, conditioning from parents, society, and education. That's where psychology stops. And then I add past life influences and influence from the spiritual essence. My guides say that fulfillment is when our spiritual essence manifests at the personality level. When our true identity is felt and expressed, we feel fulfilled. And this, you know, this concept, Susan, is so important because culturally people are told that fulfillment comes from getting what we want. Yes. Yeah. And to me this is a real setup because no one gets everything they want. And if happiness is hinged on getting what we want, then it becomes very difficult but if happiness is the actualization of our spirit or our best self, then it's really how we're living that's most important. It's how we are manifesting ourselves. Yes, yes. You know, there's a point um, when you're exploring, um, you know, what we want. And um, I, I think you had visualized something in the book, maybe a home. I'm trying to remember exactly, but it was kind of the message was sometimes, you know, be, we don't we don't necessarily want what we want. <laughs> we yeah, we sometimes think we, we do. think we know what we want, and then we get it and realize we don't. Yes, yes, and and so um, what what I appreciate is um, a a better understanding of, of, of the kind of peace we can experience is more about um, understanding our life experience. I mean, that, that seems to be what, what you reveal and your, your guidance is revealing is, is that, um, you know, the people that, that we, we are growing. And, and let's explore the, the past life aspect here because, that's very important, isn't it, as to to the patterns that we may find ourselves in, and and I know there's so many teachings about that. And 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 tell us, Ellen, um, you know, how much does our past life experience and patterns that you talk about getting stuck in some patterns? I know how how does that influence us, and how do we emerge from those? How do we work with ourselves in this life? Well, I. I see that our past lives have a tremendous influence. You know, I thought I was going to be a child psychologist before I had my spiritual awakening because I'm so, I was always interested in human development. And I um, am still interested in human development. And I had the ability, I write in my book a story of watching my son incarnate. I met yeah. him in etheric form before he was born. And then on the way to the hospital, his etheric body dissolved and a beam of white light entered into the new child. And I felt such a profound feeling that he wasn't mine. He was his own individual on his own life's path. And that all yeah. of us have incarnated into our bodies and into our families and so for me, as I watch that in detail happen through clairvoyance, the question became, who is this person? How can I help him to learn and to actualize his potential versus he's my son and having a sense of possession about who who he is and how he should be? And so 
because I could see my children's past lives, it really helped me to understand how best to guide them and also what their natural interests were. And I always tell parents, pay attention to your child's favorite stories when they're three and they're four because it will give you glimpses into who they are, what their history is, what their past lives have been. And, you know, my son at a very young age always loved books like Minglo Move the Mountain, Everyone Knows What the Dragon Looks Like, Ping in the Yangtze River, and, you know, a lot of past lives in China, and now, of course, that's where he lives. So Uh to be able to see that our interests, our fears, our attractions to people are always have a past life thread to them. There, you know, I I like to use the phrase that when siblings are walking through a childhood, our past life patterns are like velcro spots on the soul, and yes. certain aspects of our parents and our conditioning get get activated and other things don't you know you can have siblings in the same family and they're very very different people same genetic pool same conditioning in the upbringing but the soul really shows the uniqueness of the individual yes yes and in fact i think we can all attest to any of us who have siblings we're all very different in in you know, um, I have in my family um, nephews that are twins, and and they're they're very different, and 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 so um, something that I think is important in what you're saying that we lose sight of sometimes, and and actually for me this is it's something I sometimes hear that I. It doesn't resonate when when I've heard it a different way, not the way you're expressing it, but that we can sometimes hear that who we are now in this life is unimportant and that the only thing that is important is essentially the ocean and not the drop, (laughs) the the oneness that's out there. And yet I'm finding the most deeply satisfying teachings that resonate with me because I tend to bristle against. I I love the idea of expanding into oneness, but and knowing that that is true. But what you bring to us here is, hey, you know what? We're here for a reason. We're here for a reason. Exactly. As you're here as Ellen, I'm here as Susan, and whatever cultural conditioning that came into that, and there's a reason for all of that. But it doesn't separate us from that oneness that we're we're all a part of there there is both and i wish if you could reflect on that even more that balance of understanding that that we're both yes and my passion really is integration because i knew people in my 20s who were very spiritually oriented who had um direct spiritual experiences that were genuine and profound but their lives weren't working very well. Their children weren't working yeah. well. They weren't managing their money well. And I thought, what's the point if you have these spiritual experiences and can't bring these spiritual principles into everyday life? And so this is what I said to my guides. I said, I want to create a course that's all about bringing our spiritual nature into everyday life, into our relationships, into our caring for our body, into the work we do in the world, I believe that we're here to experience the synthesis of both individuality and oneness at the same time. That when we feel ourselves, I I have a, a part in the book where I talk about the relationship between greatness and humility. Greatness is feeling ourselves as a part of the creative force of the universe, which is a magnificent feeling. Humility is simultaneously recognizing that we're just one small part of the whole. And when we can hold both feelings at the same time, that's when we have the winning combination. That's when we're both great 
and and filled with humility. We have the potential for the miraculous, but we also know that we must accept our limitations. Yes, yes. You know, something you said a second ago, and it, it there's a story in your book that um, um, I've been, I've walked many paths. I've been, you know, in a career path as an engineer and different, and then I've worked in the spiritual community. And there's something that happens in the spiritual community, and I have not been immune from it. Um, it. It's an experience that many of us have where there is this kind of experience that leads us to follow our hearts. And that's, I am not discounting following one's heart. And you talk about someone in your book like this. And yet, um, often, that can be disconnected from the navigation that we need to navigate in the world. And and what and, and so sometimes people become very disillusioned too. You know, it's like what what happened? You know, I I I listened, I followed my heart. I went and I, you know, someone may have founded a healing practice or so, you know, they they totally um did something something in the spiritual domain and yet um it didn't totally work out. You know, the abundance in particular, that part you know, there was a blockage there. And um, and so one of the things that you help people with, Ellen, is finding that balance. And, and it seems that the third eye and what it is and how to use it in real, you know, that term is so filled with some connotations we've heard. So I want you to define it and and how it can help us to navigate in our world and and still follow our hearts too and our visions and visualize things and do all this you know have amazing lives and yet help us to navigate um, in the world that we're in. Well, I spent um, a long time watching chakras. I became interested in the chakra system because I wanted to understand human behavior. I was particularly confused by people that were really adept in certain parts of their life and very immature in others. And so I decided to use my ability to see energy to watch chakras. And I became a chakra watcher for decades. (laughs) And and I learned a lot because I, I wanted to see how do they function in everyday life. Well, how do our thoughts and words and actions affect these centers? I wrote a little book called The Wisdom of the Chakras, but I also write about some of it in my new book, The Infinite View. And one of the fundamental things I learned through this observing process is how we focus informs, I should say, how, how we perceive informs how we feel. And I found that some people focus in their gut as they're navigating their lives. Other people follow their heart. Other people are focused in the middle of the forehead, which is the third eye chakra, and others rely most heavily on the analytical mind. And I was able to differentiate the pluses and the minuses of these patterns. And what I found is that the solar plexus, the gut, and it's become yeah. part of our lexicon, follow your gut, which I think is a yeah. is a big mistake, actually, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. because the solar plexus is the center of emotion. It's the center of feeling. It's the center of harmony. And when our focus is there, then harmony is defined as having be, things be the way we want them to be. And if they're not the way we want, there's a tendency to get anxious or mad or sad I see all addiction and, um, you know, bullying, all these problems that are quite common in our culture as solar plexus problems. And it's not a bad center. It's just the most misused. So the third eye in the middle of the forehead is actually the center of perception. What I find is that when you focus out of your third eye, 
The third eye informs the solar plexus of emotion. Just like our organs have a proper function, our chakras have a proper function. And the heart is the center of love. My guides once said, the heart is a radiator, not a discriminator. So it shouldn't be used to make decisions, but it should stay open so we can feel and receive love. So the third eye is like the miner's light that illuminates our paths, and it's the center of good decision-making. It's a center of clear perception. And the intellect is like our computer. It's a wonderful tool. It gathers facts and um it's what we need for research or learning a language. Yeah. But you wouldn't yeah. want to ask your computer, who should I marry? You don't want your analytical mind to make your decisions for you. You know, if you've ever been on a debate team, you know you can argue all sides. So yeah. the third eye is wisdom. And wisdom yeah. is the ability to see the far-reaching impact. The only way to activate the third eye is focus and concentration. It doesn't matter what what words you speak. It's only activated through focus and concentration. And in our culture, we have heard about the third eye also through athletes who talk about being in the zone. The yes. zone is deep focus. And I've talked to professional athletes who say that when they're in the zone, they're unattached to winning or losing and Time has a way of um, slowing down, and yeah. they perform their best. Yeah. And when we activate the third eye, we perform our best, regardless of what we're doing. It's the center of good decision-making, and it really does navigate wisely. And I've done this exercise of comparing perception from the gut with the third eye now with thousands and thousands of people. And when I first started, it it amazed me because people who are anxious in the solar plexus are calm in the third eye. People who are confused in the solar plexus are clear in the third eye. And from the solar plexus, we have a tendency to be self-centered, where the third eye is the oneness perspective. So from there, the decisions that are right for us are right for everyone. So it's it's one of my great <laughs> desires is to change the way our culture talks about decision-making instead of what do you feel in your gut. It's what's your third eye perspective because this simple exercise, my guides say it's a pivot away. You just pivot your focus, and it has such a positive impact that now I'm working with a student of mine to bring this tool and my understanding of the chakra system into our school system because children um, children get it quickly. And yeah. we have in one after-school program a focus corner where when kids are having a hard time, they go to the focus corner, do some activity that brings them to focus, and they get their balance back. They uh, are able to do their homework better. It's simple, but it's very profound. Wow, how cool is that compared to, like, you know, when 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 I was growing up, the, the corner was like a place of, of punishment, you know, or whatever, but... Um, but now we what a what a wonderful tool that would be to to help to help students to refocus and and I know that um you know focus is something you really to to use the word you focus upon in 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 your book it's just how important it is to develop focus and and I will say that um you know i'm I'm still a student of of all of these things and and one of the things that and maybe it's a misconception really about this concept of the third eye, as I say, we, you know we hear so many things there's so many things that that are in the popular vernacular and things and 
and sometimes I think that that we're we're taught to view the third eye as the place of you know glimpses barely seen. You know, they can be amazing things. Like maybe you see, you know, some some future thing that that does come to pass or whatever. But not what you're talking about, Alan. Yeah. Where yes, my guys say it's not just glimpses. It's no. my yeah, my guy's quote that I love is when you open two eyes open three. Uh-huh. So it's really yeah. a state it's a posture to sustain through our life. And and you know the other term that comes to me and and I will tell you that part of my own awakening um um early on and and now I kind of steer clear so this this doesn't happen. So it's grounding, you know. Um, what you're talking about with the third eye, it seems the term that I've used, or and, and I don't know what, and maybe we can talk about this concept of grounding. Is that when we when we have these spiritual experiences, like when you were opening up, um, it can feel ungrounding, you know. If it's like it's like it can be all kinds of things um, as as we're awakening, and what you talk about. With the third eye and focus, to me, it has a calmness, a steadying, a you know, going, going with, with you know, listening and looking, and and it's not just you know this all over the map, um, ungrounded experience that sometimes um, we can we can have. It's it's seeing things with balance. So the the entire chakra system is is a wonderful framework for integration, and what cre- creates a lack of groundedness in spiritual circles is a wide open crown chakra, which is uh-huh. the center of uh, direct spiritual connection, and and it's very important. But if yes. it's not integrated with the third eye, then it's hard to know how to take that experience and bringing it into everyday life. But I also say the third eye doesn't have feet. So the third uh-huh. eye gives the perception, it gives the wisdom, it gives the insight, but the base chakra at the base of the spine is the center of discipline. It's the center of attention to detail. It's the center of implementation. So just as the third eye can inform the solar plexus of emotion, the third eye can inform us about how to put one foot in front of the other. But, you know, there's a term which is, um, you know, the lazy psychic, the person who has a strong third eye and gives other people advice, but they don't have good discipline in their own life. And the grounding comes from the discipline and the attention to detail. Yes, yes, and and that really comes through, um, you know, I, I think that um, what I'm finding from you and, and other teachers, too, is that, um, you know, you've really developed that um, steadiness over over the years, and, and you help others with that, that this is a way of living it it, it's a way of navigating through the real world you know it's not all this wild fuzzy woo woo stuff it's i mean (laughs) yeah it is too you know practical but it's there is something really deeply refreshing and satisfying about working with people like you you know and and help having you to help us because because this is what we seek you know, we we want to to experience, you know, an expanded life, but a, a balanced life that's connected, and and you're able to help us with that. Let's talk a little bit about um, the. You know, right now, a lot of people are feeling agitated, so to speak, by like by the chaos in our world. You know, our over or what can feel that way and um, I wonder if you can help us with that you know what is going on right now and has it always gone on I mean is is it just 
you know, a part of our, do we have like a collective growth experience going on right now? And do we always have that? Well, we do have a collective growth going on, and that part isn't new. But on our planet, what really is unprecedented it is our environmental challenges. Yeah. Nature is a manifestation of the spiritual world. And yes. in many ways, nature demonstrates the spiritual principles. When we live in harmony with the spiritual principles, then we move into constructive and creative living. When we are disconnected from spiritual principles, then we move into destruction. So yes. our world is is greatly imbalanced, and this is a disconnection from nature, a disconnection from spiritual principles, and so out of these imbalances over time, the ramifications are very large. This level of imbalance, however, has been foretold in many cultures down through the ages. So in some ways, it's not surprising. My hope is that through adversity, people will search for deeper answers and that the search for deeper answers will bring about an opportunity for a tremendous amount of spiritual growth and development. My guides have said that our world circumstance would worsen and people would fall to the side of fear or they would fall to the side of a spiritual perspective. And the spiritual perspective is that even in the midst of adversity, there are lessons to be learned and that we're all here to serve, to help, and to learn and to enjoy. And unfortunately, there's been so much focus on competition. And competition is the opposite of oneness. How can we want the best for each other if we're competing against others if we're competing against others we want to win and want them to lose but if we see life more in an interconnected evolutionary process then it's more um, that by supporting the growth of each other we support ourselves so we need some fundamental paradigm shifts in how we see life, how we work together practically. You know, this idea that there's not enough to go around and therefore um, we have to compete is a misunderstanding. So this is why I love to teach deep listening and deep focus because one of our biggest challenges has to do with cultural conditioning that confuses us and makes it harder for people to be able to listen deeply to their own essential spirit, which has a guiding voice and has an ability to help us navigate appropriately. My guides say the the only rule is attunement. And attunement is aligning our conscious mind with our spirit so we will know what to do and how to be because every situation is different. So we can't make hard and fast rules. I mean, the idea that it's always important to be honest, well, that's not always true. If you have, you know, Jews in the attic and Nazis at the front door, then what's attuned is to lie. So. Yeah. Attunement is this ability to access situational wisdom. And this is something that we've been culturally lacking, and the ramifications of that are far-reaching. Yes. Yes. Um, I think um, attunement is yet another concept that that word carries a lot of connotations as well. And and you help to simplify that for us, what that really means is that, um, you know, it seems like 
listening is really important um, in all in all of this. Is is how how we learn to listen and and how important it is. How a lot of what what I feel you're helping us with is how to um, perceive other people, how to how to really interact in the world in in a a more um, tuning into people, so to speak, as well to to use yes. that word in a different way because it seems like right now, Alan. Oh my gosh! I mean, there's just so much division and this feeling of of separateness from each other and we're all individuals navigating our paths and yet um the key seems to be a deeper a deeper understanding yes we're more than our behavior yes. you know culturally people start seeing people as their behavior you know, think about it this way. If you have a two-year-old and the two-year-old is dumping their their juice or their milk, you don't say, that's a stupid child. They're dumping their their juice or their milk, but rather they're a two-year-old. They're in a stage of development and they're learning about gravity. <laughs> um, when we have an adult that behaves badly, our cultural conditioning is to say this is a lazy person, this is a selfish person, this is an ignorant person. But no one is all one thing or another. And my guides say everyone is like a child in the learning process until they reach enlightenment. And so it's so helpful, and I've found this for myself, to see people as both their human self and their spirit. So the spirit is our potential in what we can actualize, and our human self is our stage of development at the time. And to be able to hold the vision of people's potential helps to not lock them in boxes. When we start holding people in limitation, it makes it much harder for them to change. Yeah. Yes, and you know the the interesting thing is that we seem to forget that many of our own life paths, many of the people we know, it's marked by change. Is that how many of us have seen or known just within ourselves, you know, the changes that we can undergo in a life, and yet for some reason we tend to assume, you know, that the people aren't 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 capable of change, which is which is funny because it doesn't. It really isn't true um, that yes. people do change significantly. And, you know, I think I felt led to open this show kind of in an unusual way. I don't usually open this show this way. And part of it is because I just feel that there are people, who, part of my own expansion, and we continue to expand. I'm not going to put myself up on a pedestal as to how expanded I am. I am learning all the time, believe me is just what do we encounter? You know, there there may be people who just clicked on this show. They saw it out there, and and um, it, it's out there with other shows about politics and music and different things on Blog Talk Radio today. And, and it's just, it can be amazing the things that we just come across on our path that then guide us to another thing and then another thing and another thing. And before you know it, you've changed dramatically, and, and it does happen. Yes, absolutely. I uh, I think that's that's what we're here for to learn from our experiences. Yes, yes. Let's talk a little bit about um, there's a there's a chapter a section in your book that I find very interesting because it's yet another thing that. We often, um, on many different spiritual paths, I will say, work with, is this concept of our life paths and what things we choose before we incarnate, which I will say in a, you know, an understanding of I have become not just a full believer 
in reincarnation, but just a I have a knowing um, about that. I just know that's that's the way that it works. And so this notion of destiny versus choice, as to 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 what we're destined to do, what what may be our higher paths were before we came in, and to what you know we choose to do when when we're here. How do we come to understand that? that interplay I have a whole chapter on the relationship between destiny and choice and in that chapter I state that I find this the most interesting question of all what is destiny and what is choice and um, and there's a story in that chapter about my daughter's 10th birthday that facilitated this whole questioning for me where um I was driving home after shopping for her birthday party and a guide in a direct voice said, have lunch at that cafe. And in my mind, I thought, I don't have time to stop. I have to get home and get everything ready for the birthday party. But I stopped because it it was a direct voice. And when I um, went into the ladies' room, I saw a poster on the Heimlich Maneuver and I read it. And then we had lunch quickly, and and I went home with my kids, and we got ready for the party. And in the middle of the party, the kids were talking and laughing, and and I was washing dishes at the sink, and I felt a tap on my shoulder, and I turned around, and my daughter was turning blue. And I turned her around, did the Heimlich Maneuver, and saved her life. And I knew that if I hadn't read that poster, I would have been anxious. I wouldn't have acted quickly. I don't think I would have known what to do. So after that event, I thought, okay, that must have been a destined event. My guide knew ahead of time that I would need the information in that restaurant, that the poster was there in order to save my daughter's life. So I started communicating with my guides about these questions. What is destiny? What is choice? Is everything destined? If everything is destined, then we just go for the ride. If everything is choice, then we should assert ourselves. You know, in spiritual Uh circles, some people talk about you can create your own reality, and my guides say that's overly simplistic that it's a combination of the two. And I've been taught that some people in their life have more destiny and other people have more choice, depending on what our lessons are. I I call it a short-leash life or a long-leash life. Uh-huh. And um, so, you know, it's it's very individual and some people can think back over their lives and think, you know, destiny, destined experiences happen when you're, you know, you're trying to make things happen and everything should go a certain way and the doors do not open, even though you're doing everything right. On the other hand, destiny can be that when you're not even trying, things just become synchronized in a way that are so remarkable that you end up in the right place at the right time. So destiny can happen either because there's a barrier in the road keeping you from going down the wrong road, or everything opens and falls into place, moving you in a certain direction. However, there's sometimes, like I have a client who's always waiting for her destiny, and Uh Her lesson is to be proactive, to be creative, to use her ingenuity, to get going, to not be waiting. Where when someone has destiny, the lesson might be trust or patience. So depending on what we're learning, we will have more destiny or more choice. See, that, I love that way of looking at it because it's kind of like a dial. You know, I sort of envision that, you know, it's not, it's not an on and off kind of a thing. 
It's a it's exactly. a continuum. And and it makes a lot of sense. And you know, I think we're all mystified by times in our lives where it just seemed like maybe before we were even paying attention to anything spiritual. Unlike you, Ellen, who who woke up so early, although I'm sure many of us as children can attest to having some, if we really think about it, children really are aware of things. But, um, but you know, not everyone had such dramatic experiences like you. And, and we look at our lives and we say, you know, wow, you know, look at how that just flowed, that and that and that, and that's exactly the way it needed to be, you know, and 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 I think every life is, is probably that way, but I just love the way of seeing it, that of course we have choice, of course there's destiny, but it's not, it, it is a continuum. It's, it's, and it, it varies as to what's in play at, at what particular time and how in a life. That That's important exactly. information. Yes, and this is where the use of the third eye and deep listening can help us discern do I need to be patient or do I need to be proactive? Yes, yes. Well, I know that um, we're nearing the end of the show, and um, I want to give you the opportunity, um, Ellen, and first just thanking you from my heart for being here today and sharing what you what you have to share in your books and in all the different ways that you're teaching. But I want to give you the opportunity to not only tell people where to find out more about your teaching and your counseling, but also, you know, what what message do you have to leave with us in terms of, you know, what can we uh, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share um, with the audience? Well, thank you for having me. I I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about my book and to talk about my work and and so this is important to me, and uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I want to leave with a quote from my son when he was in high school. He said, when you live life focused in the solar plexus, you experience the human condition from the human perspective, and it's a tragedy. When you live life in the third eye, you experience the human condition from the spiritual perspective, and it's really interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that. I love that it that, doesn't make it easy, but wonderful. it makes it fascinating and interesting. Yes, yes. And it, it kind of allows us to have just a little bit of, um, I, I don't want to say distancing, but perspective, I guess, on life. Yes, um, exactly. Perspective, you know, the ability to step back gives you a much clearer view Yes, yes. Um, well, I I do want to thank you for for being here today, and um, you know it's important to me too to have people like you on this show sharing what you've come to know, and and um, I'm I'm very touched and honored and grateful that you were here with us today, um, Alan thank you, and. Susan. and yeah, I look forward to seeing um, future work from you as well and also exploring the resources that you have. You have a beautiful website, by the way. I, I It has a wonderful energy to it, and, and I really invite people to go and explore your website, ellentad.com, just as I'd like to explore it even more. So, So thank you so much. My pleasure. All right. Well, well, take care. And I will tell you, honesty today. I've had to talk about doors not opening for some reason today and yesterday. The shows are getting so energetically involved that by the end of the show, I somehow can't. The console becomes. Um, it's like my computer is energetically entangled <laughs> or so involved in the conversation. So I may not be able, audience, to play the music I normally do at the end of the show. And, um, and Ellen, I may not be able to, to mute your phone like I might normally do at the end of the show. So I want everybody, if we're not able to play music, to take this time 
to reflect. We didn't get to talk about meditation today, but um, but we can still find that that place of of calmness, and also to tell people that tomorrow is the anniversary episode of this show at 1 p.m. It's going to be here um, for a little while um, celebrating that, and it's just come to FrontierBeyondFear.com. Thank you, everyone, for being here, and um, maybe go off and play some of your own music. <laughs> maybe that's what we're invited to do today. So, so, and thank you again, Ellen, for for being thank with you, us Susan. here today, and um, take care, everyone, until tomorrow. Take care.